Hey guys, it's RJ and Angie, and this is the Rich by Intention podcast. Our guest today is Karazan and Curtis. Karazan is a personal finance strategist that helps working professionals master their money. Karazan and her husband, Curtis, paid off $131,000 of debt in only 14 months. And today they own several businesses. In this episode, we discuss the steps they took to pay off six figures of debt how they got on the same page about money, and practical tips to increase your income and negotiate your salary. We really hope you get a lot out of this episode. As always, make sure you hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and motivation. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Corazon and Curtis. We are so excited to have you guys on our podcast. We're just so grateful that you guys want to share your story with us. So thank you for coming on. Thanks for having us. We're really glad to be here and talk about our debt payment story and all things personal finance and marriage. So (laughs) much appreciation. We're grateful to be here. Rich by intention. We, We love it. We love what you guys are representing. So happy to be here today. So thank you. Awesome. So for those who may not know you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? I'm Corazon and I am, I have a personal finance business called Corazon Akini, where I just teach working professionals how to master their money. And it just came up from a passion of not having that personal finance education myself and just wanting to empower others to be able to be educated on personal finance, to grow their income um, and to really, truly master finances and their money. Yeah. And I'm Curtis. So I, I work in a, I work in fundraising at a university. And so it, it's, it's funny how, how the topic that we're discussing or that we're discussing is, is correlated with what I, what I kind of do professionally and what I, what I wake up every day, you know, hoping to, to, to change lives and in the philanthropy work that I do. And so I, I've been in education and philanthropy for just I, I, most of my career and, uh, in Ohio native and, and, uh, originally from, from Akron, humble beginnings. And so uh, just grateful to be here and uh, to tell our story. We love that. So how long have you guys been married? How did you guys meet? Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your love story? So Corazon will be married. It'll be four years in August. August 11th is, is the date. And uh, I'll, I'll let Corazon tell the story about how we met. Yeah. So we met in Las Vegas and we were both actually there on vacation. We did not live in the same state. (laughs) He lived in Ohio. I lived in Kansas City or Kansas at that time. And we we met our first my first night in Vegas. I think it was your second night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he can explain the rest of the story. (laughs) Yeah. So I I, yeah, I always have a a, a theatrical story, right, about how we met in Vegas. And people are like, oh, Vegas, how did that all work out? And I said, it's it's really more simple than you guys actually think. So I ran into her. I was having a rough night. And uh, so I and I was telling my buddy, I'm I'm I think I'm going to call it a a night. I'm ready to go home. And I run into to Corazon and I said, wow, she's she's really beautiful. We strike up conversation three or four hours later you know, we exchanged information. I said, I'm going to be in touch. And, you know, I don't know if she, you know, took me serious or not because we're, we're interacting we're in and out in Vegas. <laughs> and then we, we all, we stayed in touch the rest of the trip. And then we, we go back to our, you know, kind of respective cities and, and I reach out to her like, Hey, you know? And so from that day, we've, um, we've been in touch every single day and, and the rest is history. We do long distance. She moves to, to Ohio and uh, we date, we get engaged, and uh, and now we'll be celebrating four years of marriage. So. Wow. You know, that is like, who goes to Vegas thinking they're going to meet their husband or wife? <laughs> no like, one. It's usually no the opposite one. of that when you go to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. a lot of people. I did not take him serious at all. It's like, oh, okay, that's cute. <laughs> that's yeah. cute. You want to keep in contact. <laughs> yeah, you, you changed so. the the mantra. They say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But no, you took you took your love yeah. with you. So hey. yeah. no, that's that's dope. I love that. You know, like I love that you guys met in Vegas. You saw your wife and you did you. You, you followed up <laughs> after that initial meeting. So, yeah, I love it. I love it, guys. And you're, now you're married for f- almost four years. That's amazing. Yeah, congrats, congrats. Um, hey, in, in, intentionality, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, being yes. intentional. So, so can you take us to the point where you decided that you wanted to marry 
each other? Like, what was that the moment like? So let me tell the story. So I, you know, for for me, I met Corazon and, you know, I'm getting a, a Uber ride back uh, with my buddy. And I said, man, she's going to be mine. I just feel it. And he's just like, you know, after a few cocktails, oh, man, that sounds really good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And so from that moment, I just approached it with intentionality and uh, just taking the steps, uh, long distance dating, communicating, going back and forth to see each other. I knew all along, it's just really putting the, the logistical pieces together and uh, taking things step by step, enjoying the journey. And, you know, I, I would say my, my only mistake is I, I probably didn't propose soon enough, but hey, here we are celebrating four years. And I, I think that you know, that saying about, you know, when you just know, you know, I, I believe that that's, that's so true. And I, I'm sure that you guys can, can relate to that. And yeah, she, she moved and, and um, got the job that she wanted and, and got her own place. And, and then we, we just follow the steps and, uh, you know, I proposed to, you know, to be, to be married to Corazon and, and we were at a nice restaurant and, the mood was right. And I said, let's do it. And uh, a year later, we got married and the rest is history. Love it. Love it, man. Like, I think it's, it's so true. Like when you know, you know, and, you know, it's more of like the action that you take on that. So can you tell us a little bit of why, like, what was the reason, like, like you were compelled, like about each other that made you say I do about each other? I will say for me, it was a lot of things, but communication, I'm realizing maybe like one of my love languages because I, I think I need that. I need the consistency and I need the effort. And for him, like being so intentional with it, I really value that. And so we have a great relationship. We have a great friendship. And I think the long distance actually even helped that because we were able to establish such a strong friendship and strong communication base as a foundation for our relationship and then for our marriage. And so I think that's definitely helped and been a huge factor in our relationship. Yeah. Obviously a lot of deep conversations, uh, <laughs> Lots. The, the long distance, because you, you, you have to, you know, I think a lot of times when you know, you date and you're in the same places, you, you're kind of on top of each other. And so, you know, when you, when you have that space, you're forced to really dive deep into your values your morals and what's important to you. Are you aligned? Are you not aligned? Do you see life in similar ways? And as we got a chance to talk every day, you know, I'm falling deeper and deeper in love with her and just developing that deep friendship and just knowing that I, I, I could see Corazon really fitting into my life. And I think that that's where it boiled down to is those also values, right? And I, even with the conversation we're going to have today with finances, it's just, we were, even if we weren't on the same page in the beginning, we always were able to end up on the same page, you know, through that consistent communication, through realizing at the end of the day, we should the same values, right? And um, generally that ends up painting the picture for what our life has ended up becoming and continues to become. Yeah, I, I, I can echo those sentiments in terms of long distance. Me oh, and Angie yeah. wow. was in a long distance relationship. For, when I was in Ohio. When she was in Ohio for about <laughs> a year, a year and a half. Yeah. yeah. And it definitely improved our communication, it improved my communication as well. And it just strengthened our bond, right? It strengthened the friendship, the partnership, mm -hmm. you know, our purpose, you know, our values were just in sync and aligned. And but definitely, that's definitely true in terms of what it does. It forces communication. So, yeah. So I would say like, you know, communication, in my opinion, is like one of the foundations, not only to a successful marriage, but also to, you know, just getting on the same page when it comes to your finances. Right. Because so I want to dig into your story because you guys have such an inspirational story where you paid off six figures, $131,000 to be exact in 14 months. That is like amazing, you know, and especially because you guys did it together. So I want to dig into that a little bit. Like what strategies did you use for the couples listening right now? How did you guys do it? And when did, at what point in your marriage did you actually decide to take this on? Yes. 
First off, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> An incredible journey. And I'll, I'll let Corazon kind of dive into some of that. Yeah. So we actually, so we did, we paid my student loan debt off, which was $131,000 in 14 months. Yes. One student loan payment. <laughs> and, wait, 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 wait. So you had the lion shares. Lion Not even share. lion share, all of it. You had all of the debt. <laughs> So all together, we had a hundred, still bad. <laughs> I'm about to say it's like, it's going to make the situation yeah. better. <laughs> Total, we paid off $150,000 of debt. So as you can see, yeah. mine is still the lion's share. So when we were engaged, actually, I sat us down and I was like, we need to talk about our finances. And he's all, it's crazy. Like, because when it comes to money, we're, I think, historically we were on different pages, right? He's the one, he's always had his life together. He would have been like budgeting since he's been like five years old. (laughs) I'm like, who are you? What's wrong with you? (laughs) And I, my life was in shambles, right? (laughs) My life has been in shambles since like college. I made all of the mistakes, right? Like I, no one taught me. He was very much blessed to watch his grandparents. He was raised by his grandparents. So he watched his grandparents like budget. They would always like come together and, you know, on the, in, at the table and talk about finances, pay their bills together. Very organized. Yeah, I was grateful. My mm-hmm. grandparents were from the South. They were very disciplined with their finances. I never remember an argument about money um, growing up because they were, they were, they were so aligned and so in tune with what was going on and they communicated with each other. And I think that's, that's, that's so important. And so I've always been disciplined. I, I would, uh, I would try to save on to my pennies because I, I, I seen them do it, you yeah. know? And I want to add like his grandparent, his grandparents, his grandmother stayed at home and his grant for the most part and his grandfather worked in factory. Yep. So it's not like they were making a lot of money, but they were able to manage what they had and able to communicate about what they had and able to work with what they had, you know? And so that's very inspiring to me. And I grew up a little bit different, an immigrant. So I was born in Kenya and my family migrated to the United States. So the, some of the principles and core principles of personal finance and budgeting and credit and all that, that was new to my parents. And so they were also trying to figure out how to navigate finances in America. And so through that, and I think they, it's funny now because it's, it's like, I'm teaching my parents personal finance, right? Like where his grandparents kind of taught him, like I'm teaching my parents at this stage in their life. And so we had, we were on, we were on different trajectories. And I think that's the beauty of things too, is that we still had, were able to make money and marriage work in, in the way that we did. And so that being said, <laughs> when it came down to this $131,000 in paying that, I, you know, I just, I just knew I was already on, after my life was in shambles for years, <laughs> I basically had a wake, wake up call with myself, knowing that I was getting ready to graduate college. I wanted to get my life together. I'm going to get my finances together. So I, it was my, my own revelation of just, being honest with myself about where I was in my life and where I wanted to be and how it wasn't aligning. And the decisions that I was making personally weren't aligning with the life that I wanted. And so I had become, began to take steps to get my, my life, my finances together. And so when, by the time we got married, we were definitely on the same page when it came to finances. Mm -hmm. And then when we were engaged, I approached him and I just was like, Hey, I really think that we should focus on debt elimination. And he was fine with that. (laughs) I was on the student loan forgiveness program at the time too. And so I worked in that. (laughs) He was very cool with that. (laughs) So for those that don't know the student loan forgiveness program, it's a 10 year program where your student loans are forgiven after consecutive payments towards your student loans under an appropriate payment plan. And so that's what I was doing. I was working towards that. And then he, I decided I didn't want to do that any longer. And I think that was the shift in conversation for us because he did not know that it was realistic for us to really honestly pay off 
not just $150,000 of debt, but really my $131,000 of student loan debt where it made sense, right? Like if somebody's going to take this debt off out of my hands, why would we even think about paying it? And so that's where the rubber <laughs> met the road. And we had to have some real conversations. And I just basically worked on developing a plan for like first when he, I saw he was, so, he was hesitant. You know, I want to just back up a little bit because I love that you guys were aligned and, you know, on the same page right before you got married. But I guess, Curtis, my question to do is, and I'm asking this specifically because I know there's a lot of couples who are apprehensive, you know, once they hear the other person has uh, six figures of debt, you know, that's a lot for someone who's disciplined financially, someone who has their life in order to really take on. So can you just walk us through how you were able to, you know, basically see Corazon's debt as your debt before marriage? Yeah, I mean, a lot of conversations, obviously, (laughs) a a lot of guidance, you know, you know, my uncle and and grandfather and, and, and good mentors, but it's really when you when you decide to make someone your spouse and you you accept all things, right? And and so her debt was a package deal with with her. And uh in, intimidating at first. My eyes were this big when I when I learned of of the number. But I, you know, it it was, you know, all things considered good debt. And and we had a conversation and I was good with it. And I knew that we would based on how we talk about things and discuss things, I knew that we would have a plan for it. And and the number, it seemed insurmountable at first, like, wow, this is, this is going to really take a long time. And you kind of have to go off the vibe, you know, you know, she wanted to attack this and this is something that she felt strongly about. And as a, as a spouse, you have to be really supportive of, of their goals, their dreams, their aspirations and and kind of fit that all in. And so we did, uh, you know, before we got to the 131,000 and whatever the rest of the change is at that point, we, we had some smaller debt, my car, my small student loan from graduate school. And we built that momentum, which built up our our confidence. And so when we really started to dive into this topic, you know, like as Corazon mentioned, it became, Hey, you're on a student loan forgiveness plan. And then we started to talk about like, uh, she wants more freedom because you know, not wanting to stick to a certain career field for 10 years, but just just really getting it off of her. And then as a spouse, I'm realizing that that this is a, a traumatizing thing. And you know, she's not feeling good about it. It's heavy on her. And so as a spouse, I had to step up, accept it. You know, originally, you know, thinking, wow, this is crazy. Are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> to man, I'm not really. <laughs> Feeling the you know the the uh, intensity of how how quick we're going to pay that off, but again, it's conversation, it's being on the same page, and it's coming up with a plan. And Corazon really executed the plan and put it on paper, and was kind of speaking life into how we can do this. And we actually accomplished the goal quicker than we than we ever imagined. Yeah, I do want to know it was never the mm-hmm. intention to pay off one hundred thirty one thousand dollars in fourteen months. Mm-hmm. Like I actually, when I realized he was a little bit hesitant, and worried, and didn't think that it was even possible, I created a plan, and it was a four or five year plan to say, you know, just to show like, okay, this is possible based off of where we are today. This is what we can do, and I think that's where people stop, right? Like I get, I guess so many people like that don't think anything is that it's possible, but the problem is they don't even start, right? Like they don't start to evaluate their, their numbers. They don't start to see, they don't calculate, right? Like one future costs. Like for me, I was realizing too, and when he talks about like how it was affecting my mental health and myself, like I, that's when reports started to come out. And it was like 2% of people are approved for the student loan forgiveness program too. And then on top of that, of that student loan debt, about 30,000 of it was just interest alone. And so when I started to see like future cost and the fact that not only that I was, it made me anxious. Like the fact that I was paying somebody else without even helping myself, even with the minimum that I was paying towards my student loan, the fact that it was all going to interest, you know, because of being on this 10 year loan forgiveness plan, like I'm literally making somebody else richer and I'm not even helping myself on the principal. 
you know, like what, like, where am I going to be in another 10 years? And then in another, like, you know, so it just was, for me, it was devastating. And when I started to realize that, and I started to become more knowledgeable in finance, I just, I wanted, I wanted out of the rat race. I didn't want to go. I didn't, I, you know, like if we plan to have kids, man, I just, how that would feel to not bring this, you know, into that and just like a clean slate. And so that's what we really worked on. And I will also mention that we do our, our finances together, right. you know, our, we tackle it together. So it isn't a you or I really mentality. So, so with everything, like, you know, even if we run businesses separately, we do still always come, like come together. It's always our mission to be aligned in general. So that's worked really well for us. So, yeah. you, you know, you mentioned that your intention wasn't to pay it off in 14 months. It was really going to take you for five years. That's very similar to our story too. You know, so how did you guys actually pay it off, yeah. <laughs> pay off over a hundred thousand dollars in 14 months? Yeah. So we did a couple of different things. When we first started, we looked at our overall income, right? We looked at our income. We then we created a budget together. So it was perfect timing, right? Like we had to start working towards our getting married. So we just looked at our finances together. What are you making? What are we making together? What are our overall expenses? And then what do we have left? And if this is the plan to like get out of debt and to improve our finances, because also that was not the, although we paid this large amount of debt off, we were, we had a three-year plan of doing a lot of different things. So like we, we built an emergency fund in that first year too. Actually, first two years, we built a year emergency fund on top of that as well. So we had that in savings. We did pay the $150,000 off and we invested in real estate as well along the way. So that being said, we initially just looked at our income versus our expenses, our bills, and then what we had left over to do. And that's where we started. That was our starting point. And then we knew that we needed to be really intentional about increasing our income. So that being said, we started in um, advocating for ourselves internally at our workplaces and also looking for jobs externally. Like one of the things I always talk about is I actually realized I wasn't equitably paid at my job. And so advocating for myself while I was there to try to make sure that I was equitably paid, which is very important for Black people, minorities in general, because this happens way too often. And so doing that and also just like being flexible and switching jobs, right? We are very strategic in in that approach as well of making sure we grow in our income. And we have grown our income for three years. And that's what actually ended up happening and helping with our momentum. Because once you're on the journey, as you guys could probably relate, you're doing things and you're you're intentional about doing things to hit your goal like right so like we're putting our bonuses towards our our uh, debt payment we're increasing our income and advocating for ourselves and negotiating salaries and making sure that we're at market as well we are putting our extra amount of money that we're making towards that and people think that you know we were also not enjoying our lives like right we just created what i call call a value based budget meaning that what do we value right like we value paying off this debt and we value we value travel right like but we don't really care about the cars maybe at that that might change right that's the thing about values it can change but at this point in our lives like we're not really concerned about that we don't need a flashy car right we don't need a flashy home right now so we house hacked right we bought a real estate and investment property a multifamily we live on one side we rent out the other side that actually reduced our housing costs by like nine hundred dollars by doing that as well so these increasing our income, investing in real estate that allowed us to house hack to save on housing costs, looking at the difference between our income and our expenses, and then allocating those that leftover money towards our debt. And then, oh, the biggest, the debt snowball method. So you can explain kind of, we, we started with his car, which was yeah. 8,000. Yeah, 8,000. <clears throat> my student loan from grad oh, no. school. Yeah, been, your car was 8,000. Might have been, you know, 12 or so. The student loans were 12,000. So we tackled year one. We wanted, we, we saved up half of the emergency fund. So mm-hmm. six months of emergency fund, that was our goal. And then the next goal was our, his car. That was year mm-hmm. one. 
And we know like you have to work backwards in finances. So like we know we may, if you have like $500 a month left over, that's what we knew we could work with. So what can we pay off then in a year's time? You know, every month we have $500 left over, you know, so, you know, 500 times 12, what is the math on that? 75, $75,000 in a year. That's not right. $7,500. I wish $7,500. So, okay. What is $7,500, right? Is that a, is that an emergency fund? Is that some of that going towards debt? And we just like broke it down into smaller goals to really be able to reach our annual goals. And then we, we did that every year. Then we reevaluated the next year. Okay. This year we're going to pay off his student loans, which was year two was $12,000 of student loans. Mm -hmm. And then we saved up the another six months of an emergency fund. Cause as you guys, we're in the pandemic at this point. (laughs) And so they became that much more urgent, I think to like have that nest egg when, because you also realize, you know, a three month emergency fund may not cut it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we reevaluated after we accomplished that goal. And what was left was my hundred and thirty one thousand dollars student loan debt. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing light, right? But the game to be you know, that 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 helped us build up that confidence. Mm-hmm. And, and we we were growing in our careers and, and some of the business moves that that we were that we were making. You know, I think what make it lost here is we there's as you achieve success, more success rather, and you start to earn more money. Listen, I, I wanted that Maserati. I, you know, I, I want I want a nice car and some of these things. But uh, the key was really discipline and, and really fighting. It's so hard to fight that that lifestyle inflation. Yes. And so you have to be really intentional and, and disciplined about what, what you do with your finances, because if you're not disciplined with, with your finances, your finances will discipline you and, and you, you're going to pay a price. Right. And so. We actually were intentional about just living a very humble, modest life while still, as Corp as I mentioned, making room for the for the things that we enjoy, sticking to a budget. We weren't eating spam every day as, as no. some of those extreme stories are out, out there. <laughs> we weren't uh, yeah, rice but, and beans. Yeah, but 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 we 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 weren't going to the expensive steakhouse, uh, you know, a, a, every other day and we still that, went. We yeah, still went, but we just we just didn't do it with with the same frequency. And you plan for it, right? Yeah, like, and we plan, plan for it. it. You yeah. can have any life that you want if you plan for it. Yeah, I think there's a myth out there that you have to really not enjoy your life and pause your life. You know, if you plan for it, you know you you can do some of these things and just just in moderation. Yeah. You know, and, and that was important for us. You know, our life is on a lease, and so. You really just still, as you're achieving these goals, you want to enjoy life. You want to have fun, but you just have to do it with in moderation or, or just with intentionality. And just, and I think that's why like the value-based, value-based budgeting works, right? Because I think that restricts, no, people know like diets don't work, right? It's too restrictive. Nobody ends up staying consistent with it. So it's the same thing with budgeting. So we allow for the things that we really enjoyed into our budget. So we have an entertainment budget. We use cash envelopes as well to keep us in check on some of the things that we may struggle with. So we allocate ourselves a personal budget as well. So we give ourselves the freedom and not even, you know, nobody has to really ask anything about that. You know, it's the freedom to spend as we would like with that personal, those personal funds. We do the same with eating out, entertainment, travel. So we have cash envelopes for all of those things. So you guys did a, you, I think you guys like pulled a lot of strategies, you know, like from the envelopes, cash envelopes to house hacking, to, you know, increasing your income to budgeting, et cetera. So you guys like utilized a lot of, you know, great strategies to put you on the path to pay it off in less time than you could ever imagine. And I love what you said is, you know, one thing that I want to like emphasize to our listeners is the fact that you decided to increase your income. You took the matters into your own hand. You didn't allow your organization to tell you that this is all you're worth, that you really took the reins of your career and worked hard for that promotion. Or if you didn't get the promotion because your job didn't value you the way um, that you do, you decided to look externally. And I think that's important for our listeners to know because sometimes we can get caught up in the fact that, you know, 
woe is me. My job isn't, you know, valuing me the way that I think they should. I'm still just going to wake up every day and go to that same job. But no, sometimes you do have to look externally and, you know, figure out like what's the next best best option. And I know that's something that RJ did in his career and something that I employed also. But, you know, negotiating your salary, you know, oftentimes when you do leave your organization, you're able to command a higher salary than what you would get internally at your at your company. So, babe, you can talk to that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's HR policies when you're internal is but so much that they can increase. But when you leave the I would say there's more options for you to increase your income. Um, And it's just I think it's important to know what your market value is. And the only way you can find that is if you interview elsewhere and seek other opportunities. So I think that's a good step to do, you know, every so often in any company that you're at, because it just allows you to one, see what else is out there and make sure that you're getting what you, what your value is. Yeah. Cause some people, you know, you're just so happy to get a job. And sometimes when it's already paying you more than what you're already making, people are just like, Oh, I'm grateful, but no, like it's such a disservice to yourself to not do the research. There's been times that I almost under, like I almost, I under advocated for myself. Right. And that is negatively impacts. If you think about the like long-term effect of that and the loss of income during those times, you know, of not even, if you're not equitably paid, how that loss of money is affecting you and what you could have done with that, you know, maybe it was like an extra $20,000 at the end of the year. Like, you know what you can do with that, that can change your, you and your family's life, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just definitely something that I always just urge people to, especially minorities, especially black African-American men and women to just do the research. And because it's, you have to advocate for yourself because no one's going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not the companies, they're going to pay you what you allow to be paid. And, and just, and if you don't negotiate, if you don't do the research, you're going to end up in a situation where you're underpaid. And that's where that's where I was at. Internally, I got an internal promotion as you, RJ. And it's crazy because it was, I went from an individual contributor to managing a department and for an additional $5,000 a year. And it was so much work. Like I was working like crazy for an additional $5,000. And I know we talk about market research, but talking to people, it was actually Mm -hmm. a colleague that told me that I was underpaid. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and I think having those honest conversations, it is very much legal to have those conversations. And so that allowed me to know also internally, like somebody else is making for the same amount of work that I do way more money, you know, and also allows you to better advocate for yourself and put something together. So always, and there's no shame in that. There's no shame for asking for equitable pay. That is actually something that is part of a right that you should have. And so making sure that you do so and take the steps to advocate for yourself is always important. Now him, he always asks for money. He, it could be just like, he wakes up, it's Friday. Yeah, <laughs> no, but like I, man I, thing. Like, it is. Like, and I think as women, money. as women, yeah. we have to be more, you know, we have to be cognizant of that fact that we, we do need to ask for more. You know, we can't be afraid. We can't be ashamed. We can't be insecure or shy or whatever you want to say about asking for more. And that is the difference, I think, when it comes to men and women, that men are more likely to ask for higher pay, whether they deserve it or not. But, you know, just in general, I'm speaking is that men are more likely to ask for that raise. And sometimes women as women, we just don't ask. And sometimes that's all it is. Sometimes you just have to ask and, you know, you will. I know that was my own experience where I was up for an internal promotion. They offered me something and I asked for more. I asked for a title change and I asked for more money and I got it, (laughs) you know, and had I not asked, have I just accepted what was offered to me? I would have been in the same place, right? Like I would, I, nothing would have changed. And that helped expedite our own debt payoff because I did ask for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and also like in the moment when you first do it, the first time you do it, like it's, it's nerve wracking, right? It is. But after you do it the second and third time, it's like, oh, this is this mm-hmm. is the part of the game, right? Of increasing your income or getting that promotion or whatever it is. And it's the same thing what our companies do. When they go, when they get your medical benefits and they're working with another a third-party vendor, they they're negotiating back and forth. 
So why aren't the employees doing it? So it's important. And, you know, some I want to say this to our listeners, because sometimes you are going to get a no and that, that can happen. But that shouldn't discourage you. That should just tell you, okay, they don't value me the way that they should. Let me look outside. That should encourage you to look outside of your organization and take what Corazon and Curtis just said and take matters into your own hands and start looking, start practicing, start putting your applications out there so that you can uh, increase your income. And that's part of self-care, right? Self-advocacy is self-care. And so we have to I've, helped, I've met with so many women that have been in equity and colleagues, right? Like I have a um, black female colleague that is an executive and she shared with me how she was at one point in time, $50,000 underpaid mm-hmm. compared to her colleagues, you know, <laughs> like, like do you, the lifetime of that earnings, you know, and the loss of that, that is a big deal. And we really need to start considering that because that is one of our biggest wealth building tool is our income. Agreed. Agreed. That's what we leverage, you know. That's <laughs> so no, what makes me that. That's what makes going to this nine to five okay. <laughs> like, yeah. that's what gives the peace behind. Exactly. I'll be like, Lord, I don't want to. Or go. managing people. Like, oh, I got to deal with uh, these people. Let me. Uh, <laughs> I need like, to get paid. Be on my nerves, Lord. <laughs> but you know what? I really want that real estate property that Wanda. Mm-hmm. Possibly yep. <laughs> give me this freedom. <laughs> yeah, no, so. I love that. And it, essentially what you're saying is use your income, use that, you know, income from your nine to five to fund your goals, you know, so that you can create the life that you desire. And I love that, you know, you guys are an amazing couple. You have an amazing story, you know, super inspiring. And I hope, you know, our listeners, I know our listeners have taken some tangible advice from your story that they can actually put into action today. So my last question to you guys is, Mm -hmm. and Curtis, I actually want to hear, you know, a little bit, some of the advice that your grandparents gave you, because I actually loved that. that, I love that story. You know, just having that example of a couple who have just done, done things well, a black couple, especially. I, I know that's similar to my own experience with my grandparents, having them as an example. So Corazon and Curtis, like what advice would you give to couples who are struggling right now, especially in this you know unique time that we're in with high inflation, <laughs> a looming recession, and a lot of just overall craziness? What advice do you give to couples right now? Yeah, I always tell people there's so much that's always going to be going on in the world. There's so many inequities that exist historically, presently. But what we have to do is, you know, control what what you can control and do it to the best of your ability. And also, there's so many things in life that discourages. But you, when you get to a place where you want, when you want to do something, you just have to decide, and then get up each day with that discipline and that intentionality to just keep going. And build momentum little by little, because hey, you know I'll I'll, I'll be candid. I mean, one thirty in the timeline it seemed insurmountable, but we had to we had to train and change our mindsets, and we had to do the do the work every single day. We have to sit down, we have to do budgets, we have to meet, and sometimes it's easier to just say, you know what, I'll, I'll just kind of do whatever or be lazy about it. But you have to you have to put it in practice every day, and you have to change what's in your mind and actually make it a, a, a reality. And I think that's so hard for people, but I think we instantly go to the, to with the, with the end goal in mind and we never start, you know, we, we just never start because it seems insurmountable. It seems stressful. Uh, it seems unattainable, but all goals start from the beginning. And so from when you, when you dreamed it up and you put it on paper, now it's just executing the plan and taking the journey and doing it every single day. And, you know, you know, I, I used to you see my grandparents and my sisters and I would laugh and they got their old school notebook. And so we, we didn't have much money. You know, I, I grew up in, in 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 an urban area. We didn't have much, but we had everything that we needed. And it started from that intentionality. And so they planted something in me that inspired me and, and, and which allowed me to have kind of life lessons, you know, for, for today. It's just have the discipline, have the intentionality. And just and just keep after it every single day because because life life can be discouraging. We can feel like we have a lot of debt. We'll never pay it off. But you just got to start and keep going. You know, that that's just that's my lesson to to anybody. And then, um, you know, we get to the end of the four, 14 months and my friends are like, wow, you guys are debt free. How does it feel? And it's just like, 
Uh, it feels it feels amazing, you know. And then I, you know, I did some reflecting, and it, it can seem like mind blowing, but as each day passes, time time just moves quickly, and so it's just following the goal. And once you get it, and once it clicks, it just starts to become second nature to you, and it's just a part of your of your lifestyle. And so, you know, that, that's just you got to start, you got to go, and, and stay disciplined. Yeah. And I have a few because just having been on this journey now, I think the first thing I always tell people is just to start. You know, I think that you're just, it's just a delaying things that you could already be accomplishing. Right. And so I think the biggest thing is that people get just so caught up in, you know, what am I this or the biggest thing is just starting with anything in life. Right. And with us, we built, end up building the momentum. So I think that small actions can lead to really great things and it doesn't have to be $150,000 of debt is overwhelming. Right. So, but eight, 10,000 is a little bit more you know, may seem a little bit more realistic. So just starting small and building up your own momentum is always going to be important. For couples, we were able to obviously collaborate. But one thing that we worked really well with us too is playing our our strengths and then creating strategies for our weaknesses. And so that's where that, you know, we have different roles in our money. Like he goes and gets the cash envelope money because I'm never going to, I'm not going to (laughs) go. I will forget, you know, and I create our, like I create our strategies. Like, so, you know, when it comes to like each year, you know, I just kind of like look at our finances and our numbers. I love looking at numbers. I love working with math and money. (laughs) So I create our strategies. He gets the cash envelope money. We have our separate roles Mm -hmm. is what we do. And it's based off of kind of our strengths. And that works really well for us when we come together. And then incorporating different things that help us keep in check, like cash envelope systems, right, has really helped us for some of the things that we need a little bit help and control. Having budgets in place. Systems are important. I love the book Atomic Habits. I always like, I mention it all the time because I love it. And there's this also quote, great quote, I'm going to read from it. And it's, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. And I could just quote that book all day, but it's about building up the systems, right? And those systems are going to help leverage the lifestyle that you want to obtain. So when people think like budgets aren't important, they're absolutely important. Mm -hmm. Automating your finances, if you can, you know, to help you, like for me, like we already talked about how forgetful I am, right? Like, uh, so bills, the, those bills for me need to be on auto pay. <laughs> so, you know, I like, I used to travel a lot for work. And so I'm like, oh, the rent was due. <laughs> and so like, I'm in, I'm in a whole other city. I'm in another country. Yeah. I, I love what you said is that like develop strategies for your weaknesses, you know? Yeah. So like to your point, like if, you know, making sure your bills are paid, you know, before the, the they're due, employ that strategy of automation, you know, like think through like, where, where are you, where are your deficits? And like today, more than ever, there's an app, there's a reminder, there's something, a notepad, <laughs> something that you can utilize to help you in those weaknesses. So I love that. You know, I know you quoted atomic habits, but that was a great quote that you just mentioned, create a strategy for your weaknesses. Yeah. And that's really helped because I think like, like we, I've talked and I think that it is a beautiful thing that, you know, he didn't, he's kind of always had his finances together and where I felt like mine was in shambles, but like being able to come together and incorporate strategies that work for us. And it doesn't take away, right. It's not a matter of like, you know, you're wrong for how this is, or it's something wrong with me. You know, it's just, no, like in order to help this, this circumstance or this situation, I'm incorporating something that's that we can leverage to help make our lives easier, right? Mm-hmm. And help us attain our goals faster. And that's really just what it's boiled down to, I think, at the end of the day for the both of us is just having systems in place, having a plan. Like, I, you know, I used to, I budgeted right before we got married. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't budget before we got married. Well, so when we were engaged, I started budgeting, but I have to give a lot of credit to him because he always budgeted, budgeted. I just like put money away without a plan. And it's crazy because he would like write down and it was so basic, right? He only had like literally a notepad, <laughs> like a little notepad. He probably got at a conference and he would just do his right at his budget every month. 
And I, when I started incorporating that, I, I saved double the amount that I was saving before. And I think that's important because a lot of people think that, you know, you need all this stuff to like, oh, I need to download the Mint app. You know, well, I can't afford the Mint app. I need to get personal capital, whatever it might be. You know, we love those apps. Don't get me wrong, but it can be as simple. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with just starting where you are. And yeah. if all you have is a notepad and a pen, just do it. Start your budget today. You know, yeah. yeah. And I think it's just back to the basics, right? Mm -hmm. Like just know. first step is knowing where your money's going. Right. And maybe looking at your statement, seeing, oh, wow, I spend $600 on, you know, uh, going out to eat. Right. Oh, maybe next month I don't do that. That's $600 (laughs) back in your pocket. And now you can start to have some level of emergency fund. So it's just small things that you can do just by doing pen to paper. If you need to go back to that, and then you start upgrading to maybe using Excel or something like that. But it's just more going yeah. through these small habits, cash envelope that prevents you from swiping until you can, right? Yeah. So you can, your weakness may be, I go to the store and I'm going to spend more than I need to. So cash envelopes trains you to just spend what you uh, and are allowed. I want to say this because a lot, I think for grocery shopping, cash is like so helpful because we tend to overspend on groceries. And I know a lot of people get embarrassed, right, when they have to put stuff back because it's like, oh, it's not in the budget. Let me uh, put it back. But I want to encourage people because I know I've been that person who's put stuff back because (laughs) I only got $50 to spend this week on groceries. You know, let me put some of this stuff back. Like, don't be embarrassed, you know, work your plan and keep focused on that, those goals that you have. And and I don't even think it's like, you know, if you're $2 over, don't do that. The, the the more important point is that you're disciplined to stay at that number. Even if you have it, it's just to make sure you have some level of discipline because that just translates to other decisions that you make in the future. I love that because it's, it's your, you may not have the actual habits like right formed in the beginning. Like, what is it? It takes like 21 days to form a habit. And so it, It's the thing, it's the actions that you do on a consistent basis that help create that habit where it just becomes normal. Like finances and personal finances, it doesn't stress us out at all. Like people think like, this is such a stressful thing and it's not at all by any means because it's just a regular part of our lives and that has been incorporated in that you know, in the beginning, maybe it was a hard, right? Like, yeah, it's the merging of two lives, right? You're right. Getting on the same page. Mm-hmm. It's a process. But once you get there and you lock in, you just go. You just go. And I want to say this because, and I think, Curtis, you alluded to this earlier, mm-hmm. is the fact that, you know, people can look at your story and be like, oh, well, you guys make a lot of money. So you're able to, you know, achieve all these things, achieve these goals. But Curtis, I look, I look back to your story about your grandparents who lived a humble life. Right. And, but still, you know, they were able to provide for you. So I don't think it's always about, you know, you need to make the most money, but it goes back to the mindset and the discipline at the end of the day and managing your money and having a budget. And we're pretty, you know, when it comes to salary, we do well, we're, you know, become ended up becoming six figure earners through this process. But I will say we were both nonprofit employees (laughs) when we started this journey. And so that's where I just, I'm like, don't focus too heavily on that. And it is about just starting and building that momentum because it's so important. And RJ, you said something about the emergency fund that made me think of one other thing. I know it's like probably supposed to end this, but protection. I think that one of the things that has allowed us to be successful and something that we think about along the way on this journey is protection and insurances. And that's going to be big, right? Because one thing about life is things happen, right? Emergencies happen. You're going to run into things all the time that almost like try to knock you off of the journey and of what you're trying to do. That's just like a regular part of life. And you know, one of the first things like, yes, we were paying down debt. We were doing things simultaneously. But one of the things that was really important was building that emergency fund because we were hyper aware of the fact that we didn't want anything to throw us off of our journey, you know, and we have incorporated different insurance kind of assurances and protection methods throughout this journey for ourselves. And that it does include the emergency fund. And, you know, with rental properties, we get what's it called on all of our properties and always have a nest egg yeah. so that nothing can go wrong. Yeah. We get insurance to cover that. 
that uh, those, those instances. But, you know, we're going to have to probably bring you guys back on to get into the rental side of things, yeah. you know, your investment <laughs> properties. But this has been such a great episode, guys. You guys are killing it. You're an awesome couple, an inspiring couple. So for those who want to keep up with you guys, like where can they find you? Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. You can find us at on Instagram and on TikTok and Facebook at Corazon Akini Finance. So that's C-O-R-A-Z-O-N-A-K-I-N-Y-I Finance. So it, it'll be great to have you guys. And we'd love to be back to talk about some of the other stuff that we do as well. You know, th- thank you so much for the opportunity. We, we, are, we are both inspired by you guys and your work. And uh, we just thank you so much. Keep on keeping on. Yeah, uh, this is so important, you know, like you said, for couples and for families that are trying to get their finances. It's really it's the pillar, right? Economics there's, is literally the pillar, of, you know, of being in America. And so and it's such an empowering thing. And we didn't even get into my husband recently. He, he quit his job and because of, because he wanted to, you know, and because of some things that he was going through and he was empowered to do so. And that's kind of part of that, like protection RJ was talking about too, of like, we have an emergency fund in place. We actually live on one income. That's kind of part of our, we have like certain money roles. That's kind of something that we do to protect ourselves as well. And so, and he's back working, but it was like, I love it. No, I think, you know, to your point, getting control of your finances gives you options. And like with our mission is to help encourage couples to get on the same page about finances and be on track on a, on a path to build wealth for their families. Because if you are, if you're able to, you know, just be on the same page, if you're able to just accomplish your goals together, you're going to be in such a better position. So when life happens, when your job is no longer serving you, you're in a position where you can say, you know what? I have, you know, all this money, we call it, you know, for lack of a better word, F you money, (laughs) you know, and so that you can say, you know what, I'm good guys. I'm walking out. So, and that's very similar to me. A few months ago, I actually quit my job last year. Yes. I quit my job, but now I'm back working too, which I'm happy about. Like, I'm not mad at work. I like having a nine to five, but I was able to do that. Like you, Curtis because of the choices and the decisions that we made because of our discipline years before. So, you know, to all of our listeners, we encourage you right now to just take action, start where you are, start with a notepad and paper and, you know, create a budget for yourself, see where your money's going so that you can get control and have options for yourself and your family. And with that, guys, we love you guys. Thank you for coming on. We will be keeping up with you guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and inspiration. 